Body of Baywatch, Face of Crime Watch, Steve Wilson. Does, um, does the Friday make everyone a little bit sleepy? Is that what it is? Oh, bless you guys. But you see, that the problem is with you saying that is it just makes me want to get louder and more excitable. Let's do it anyway. All right, can we, um, can we do a It's First Day of New Day cheer? Hooray! Listen, that's like, that, that's, that's really poor. You guys are going to have to work a little bit harder on this, all right? All right, stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up. All right. Stand up, I want to tell you a story. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Everyone who, everyone who can, unless you're unable to, I want you to stand to your feet. All right, now, heads, hearts, engage with me for a minute. I'll tell you a friend of mine, uh, her name's Wendy, and she was walking through a park in Bedford, and um, she felt like God whispered a little uh, kind of nudge in her ear. And the nudge went a little bit like this. There's, a, there's a, someone over there you're going to get to meet, and uh, they're not going to be able to walk very well. They're going to be on crutches, and I'm going to heal them if you go and get to pray for them. And so she was like, oh, man, that's, that's crazy. How is that going to be possible? And so she kind of walked around. She saw the lady was there, and she thought, hey, is, it, is it right? I approached them and kind of walked past. I thought, oh, man, I can't just miss the prompting of the Holy Spirit like that. And so she turned around and thought, you know what? I'm going to go for it. So she walked up to the lady and said, hey, I, I know that your, your legs are pain. I've seen that you can't walk very well. How would you feel about me praying for you? You know what the lady did? She said, no, thank you. I really don't want you to pray for me. It's fine. And Wendy, dejected, kind of put her head down and she kind of wandered away. And she was having a little whinge to God about it. So she was saying, God, I just don't understand. You'd said to me to pray for this lady. I went, I was obedient, I, I prayed for her. But then suddenly, before there was any kind of response, the whole of heaven, she said, she could hear just going nuts in her ear. It was almost like there was the spiritual sound of this cheering, hollering, whooping, going crazy. And she was like, God, what is that about? And what God said to her, he said, it's because of the fact that you've been obedient to what I asked. You know, I want you to do while you stood up. I want you to go around. I want you to find five different people and give them a bit, as big a high five as you can and say, well done for being obedient this week, all right? Five people, big high fives, as much as you can. Celebrate them. This is good. This is positive. This is well done. Well done, bud. All righty then. Once you've found your five, you can grab your seats again. Hey, do you know, the reality is that every, um, every morning, me and my, uh, my little team of kind of blue t-shirt people over here get in a very unique position of getting to hear some of the stories of what you're gonna, you've been doing. And um, I, you know what? Every time I kind of walk in being like, oh, we've had a real good time, and then I come out being like, Wow! Boot camp has had an amazing time. And I just want to say, I guess, from a very personal point of view, again, to listen to those stories, I just want to say I'm so proud of you guys. Thank you so much for all that you've done. And you are touching people's lives. And that is super exciting to hear about. But rather than me um, kind of telling you stories, what I thought we could do is just have three or four different people who had a great time um, yesterday, perhaps, just come up and tell me what happened. What was God doing? And uh, I've got two or three which I would love to hear about from the actual people who were around. And uh, so maybe they could charge forward. So I know there was one person who should get us kicked off who was in Kings Lynn, who had a bit of a stinking time to start off with. And then got to meet a fisherman. Who was that? Who was that group? Are they here right now? Simon's going to come and tell us the story unless you are here. Going once. Going twice. I don't see you. So I'm looking for Simon, who is now outside. All right, we're going to get someone else. Yeah, I want you. Come here. I was looking for your fishermen people. They're not here yet. Oh, should we wait for them? Maybe we could wait for them. All right, where are the people who went to Norwich and went down Christchurch Road? Are they here? They were in Phil's group. The people who went down Christchurch Road, you told us about? <gasps> Would you mind coming in and telling us the story about what happened yesterday? Come and tell us. What's your name? I said, I'm going to wait until she gets down. Let's give her a massive round of applause. Woo! 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 Bigger, 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 bigger. Yeah! Well done. I've totally picked on you. I'm so sorry. What's your name? Wincy. Wincy. Yes. All right. Tell us a little bit about what happened with you guys yesterday. Um, hi. Um, good afternoon. Morning. Sorry. Um, one of the first encounters we had was on Christchurch, um, just sort of by the Tesco's. 
we were heading towards Christchurch Road because I believe that's what. Um, so I'm one of the leaders, and it was one of the the youth who had um, a word about that. Um, the first guy we met was this uh, elderly man. He has a kind of relationship with God, um, but he was teach said recently his wife had died from cancer, um, and uh, so we were sort of we kind of stopped him in the middle of the road and realised that was not a good idea. So we shuffled him to the pavement rather than wait for cars to sort of knock him down or something but um he was really really open um he sp spoke to us about how he had been to a church but he didn't have a very positive experience um people not very welcoming and i sort of explained to him it's very different we talked about what jesus had done and he sort of really agreed and warmed to what we were saying um we prayed f for him and um, prayed for the his, his the fact that he lost his wife and he was such a happy guy and like quite a joyful guy let me say and it was only as he was about to leave he said oh he also has cancer and they're trying to stop it spreading um so we were just completely shocked because we didn't get that vibe from him at all that he was ill or sick or anything like that um yeah so that was a really good um opportunity we had yeah thank you can we thank Wizzy for sharing it was my understanding phil said to us that just through following God's lead down to that street, you guys got to pray for six different people down that street, huh? Incredible. And uh, what a sort of significant encounter for someone who's going through such a difficult time as well. Where's my little buddy who was hearing from God yesterday and um, charged out in order to um, put a letter through someone's letterbox? Is he here? Hey, bud, come here real quick. Tell these guys what your name is and tell me what, tell these guys what happened yesterday. Um, I'm Joel. Um, yesterday in the meeting, Jazz was talking about, she said, um, two minutes just to find your location. And, um, I was given Bramley Road. It was totally random. I've never been to, um, I think it was Derham before. And, um, I looked on the map and there was a Bramley Road right in the corner. So I thought, that's pretty cool. Um, I also got wellies, and I got the name Jack, which I thought was quite common, so I thought, is this really? But, yeah, I trusted. And so we went down to this Bramley Road, and it was it was closed. There was like, hardly any people there. But um, I felt drawn to 17. And outside there was this big, like, tub of wellies, like, huge wellies. And I thought, wow, this is this is something. So we went on the door, and no one was in, unfortunately. So, um uh, I put a letter through the door saying, hi, I'm from New Day, we're Christians, um, and we believe that there's someone in here called Jack Robbins who um, has a stomach condition, and we believe God can heal him. So, we, And we've given him the um, pages number, and, yeah, hopefully we'll get in touch. Do you know what I love about this? Is that you've got someone who's actually like, God, I'm, I'm just willing to, to follow your voice and actually listen. Not only has God spoken to him about a road name, not only has then God spoken about a number, then God's spoken to him and showed him that there's a whole bucket of wellies that he's already got on his list and has the bottle to put a letter through someone's boat to say, God wants to meet with you. Isn't that amazing? Courage and obedience. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Are our friends from Hastings here yet? Are our friends from Hastings here yet? No, in which case, I'm going to ask for Simon to go. Come and share that story. That so touched me this morning. That Come and bless these guys and tell us what happened with your group. So we had a great time out in Kings Lynn yesterday. Um, two of our groups were finding it tough. They'd asked lots of people. They were following all their clues. They were doing everything according to jazz. Uh, but people were saying no to them. They were saying, can we pray for you? Can we talk? And it was no, no, no. And they were getting a little bit dang. And uh, so I said, well, look, we, we kind of stopped halfway through. We just had a quick rebreather, quick brief again. And I said, look, just let me have a look at your little map that you'd written clues on. And they had two clues, one that said mosaic when they were sitting in here and one clue that said fisherman. And uh, so we said, right, okay. Uh, so as we started to talk about it, what, another girl in another group said, well, there's a, a model spitfire in the middle of town that's made of mosaic. And they were like, oh, well, they'll go there. And uh, so they went off and had a really great conversation. So it'd been, they'd been like an hour and a half with nothing, okay? So they got to the mosaic. They found someone there to talk to. They just had a conversation with them. It was really good. At two minutes to four, and we were finishing at four, I said about the fishermen, I said, have you been to the river yet? And they said, what river? I said, the river on which there are fishermen fishing. And they were like, we didn't know there was a river. So I said, right, come with me. So we route marched them through the middle of the town, got to the river with two minutes to go. And I just said, okay, right, 
There's some people there. Go and talk to them. You've only got two minutes. You must be back at the church in two minutes' time. Otherwise, the bus goes and we all get lost and I get told off. And so 20 minutes later, uh, everyone else was on the bus and there is no sign of this group who had been really dejected. And I was hoping they hadn't done anything bad near the river. Uh, but they were, sorry. But they were, they just ended up in this conversation. They met a couple of people. Uh, the guy, I think, was called John. And two of them had felt earlier on that they were going to speak to a guy named G- with, uh, beginning uh, with J. So two of them felt that. So they find John. They give him this bit of paper to say, is there anything on here? They'd written back pain and knee pain. And the guy said, yeah, I've got both of those things. Uh, and what he didn't see on the other side of the bit of paper was it said blue shorts. And the guy was wearing uh, blue jean cut-off shorts. And so they were able to pray and say, is there anything we can pray for you? And uh, he said, well, actually, yeah, there's back pain and there's leg pain. So the guy was saying, well, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much does it hurt? It's about 4 normally. So they prayed for him, and instantly he said the pain was reduced down to about a level 2. Up until about quarter to 4, their heads were really down. At 20 past four, when they should have been on the bus, they were jumping and leaping and so excited because God had used them. God is good, isn't he? Is the right answer. Very good. Well done. Well done. Listen, just wanted to say, I guess, you know, these stories that we're, that we're kind of sharing, you know, I want you to encourage you to be speaking to one another about what you're doing because they're all of ours, right? It's not just that one group or one uh, particular bus is, is doing something significant. Actually, this is for all of us to celebrate because we're one family, hey? Outstanding. Listen, I'm going to get Rob up on his feet. He's going to give a quick, quick announcement. But just to say before that, that we've got a really special opportunity to hear Daryl today. Okay, and he's going to be speaking about the compassion of God and the um, God's heart for the lost. And I guess for for me. I just want to say to you, don't miss this opportunity to get something off a guy who's been radically transformed by God, but now his heart beats to want to share that. Okay, and so tune in, connect with it, and engage with everything he wants to say. Rob, why don't you come and share your announcement? Let's welcome Rob. Hey guys, well done so much for all your boldness this week. Um, just wanted to mention something and an opportunity for one person here um, and come and speak to me if you're interested. Um, we're running a, ro- a year out role, an outreach intern. Um, uh, uh, this is an opportunity. We always get some people who come to New Day who are just not quite sure what they're doing in September, thinking about maybe deferring, thinking about maybe taking a year out. And um, we've got an exciting New Day role to serve across New Day Outreach, as well as the Who Cares mission, which is going national, and a vibrant local um, Norfolk church. Um, You get to attend the School of Supernatural Life nearby. Uh, It's for someone aged 18 or above with a passion for mission and evangelism, which I know that all of you guys have. Um, Living in Norfolk, starting either in September um, or in January. If you want more information at all, just to think about it, um, do come and grab me um, today. And um, I'd love to tell you a little bit more. Okay, we're going to invite Daryl to come. He's already served us at this event so well um, on the first night and other stuff. And um, I know that he's got a big heart for the loss, so I'm really excited with what he's going to do with us. Daryl, mate, they're all yours. They're all mine. You're mine now. If my voice starts getting a little bit croaky, it's um, it's yeah, because I've had like three weeks straight preaching, um, so I, I might start sounding a bit croaky. But I'm strapped, sealed up, so it's all good. Um, people were like, "Do you need prayer for your throw?" I said, "No, I just need strap sill." Um, <laughs> I'm I'm one of these. If somebody said, "Do you need prayer for your arm to grow back?" I'd be like, "Yeah, of course, please do that." Um, but to me, God gave me strap sill, so I, I'll I'll take I'll take the strap sill. Um, I'm just not that super, super, superly spiritual. My life's mission and everyone's life's mission, if they're a follower of Jesus Christ, is simple. This is it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your life's mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. Everything you've been doing through the week is what the Bible says you are called to do the work of the evangelist. That doesn't mean that every single one of you in this room have the gift of the evangelist. 
You see, the two separate things. And I don't have time really to get into those two separate things. I'll give you a, a polar opposite example. Not every single one of you in this room is an apostle. Okay? Not every single one of you in this room is a pastor. Not every single one of you in this room is a teacher. But regardless of the Holy Spirit ministry gift, we're all called to do the work of the evangelist, which is what you've been doing. So what I want to try and do this morning is unlock some of that heart for the lost. Now, on Monday night, who was in the session on Monday night? Okay, on Monday night, you hear me speak about the Holy Spirit and how integral the Holy Spirit is to everything that you guys have been doing. And you guys have been learning what it means to listen to the Holy Spirit. To a guy with a name who begins with J, who's wearing cut-off denim jeans, which is a sin all on its own. Fishing at the side of a river. Okay, that's the beginning. When you really start to get in tune with the Holy Spirit, you'll be walking through the middle of the shopping city, going past Iceland, and the Holy Spirit will say, that woman on the checkout, her name is Irene, her son has just died, and, he, and I want you to go pray for her. This is when it starts to develop. This is when things start to really start to freak you out, when you really start to listen to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says to you, pray for that person's leg because one of them is three inches shorter than the other and as you pray, you watch that leg grow back. I'm not making this stuff up. These are things I've seen. Okay? When an old lady comes up to you and says, look, I have cataracts in my eyes. I'm waiting for the operation. And you look at her eyes and you can see the milkiness in her eyes and she can't see. And you place two thumbs on her eyes and you just say, Holy Spirit, heal her vision. And you take your hand away and her eyes are as clear as your eyes. This is when you start to develop a heart for the lost. I want to read some scripture to you. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this. It was God who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare, this is the important bit, to prepare God's people for the works of ministry. Right here in this room today is that list. Right here... Regardless of your age, I don't care whether you're 14 or 40, right here in this room is that list. And within that list are the people that God needs to equip His church for ministry. Steve is one of those people. He is equipping you for ministry. His heart is to see you get outside of the church walls and equip you for ministry, no matter how scary or weird it may look. But that's what he's doing. But I want to pull out a few points for you, okay? Point number one. Stick your hand up this week if you have felt completely and utterly qualified to get out there and evangelize this nation not one single hand you at the back Jesus is in the room but for the rest of us who don't walk around with halos above our heads I want you to understand this God does not call the prepared but he does prepare the called. Every single time. 
God will take the foolish things of this world and he will use them to confound the wise. God will take an ex-convict who hated school and he will say to him, go set up a school. And that convict will say, <laughs> and God will say, no, I'm serious. And if you don't do it, I'm going to smite you. <laughs> and then that convict goes, <laughs> and then three years later, Hope Corner Academy is born. Special educational needs school that becomes one of the top three independent special educational needs schools in the country and the only the only church run SEN school rated outstanding by Ofsted in every single area you see God doesn't call the prepared but he does prepare the called in Acts 4.13 this is my Absolute, hands down, all time, favorite piece of scripture. It says this. This is Peter and John. They've been dragged in front of this massive council called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was scary. The Sanhedrin were the religious power of the time. I'll give you a modern day example. It's like me being dragged to the Vatican. Okay? With all these blokes wearing dresses. Okay? And me standing in front of all of them. And them accusing me of heresy. Them accusing me of breaking God's law. Of them accusing me of things I just haven't done. This is Peter and John. He says, when they saw, this is the Sanhedrin looking at them. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Two reasons I love that scripture. Number one. It says they looked upon them and saw that they were ordinary, unschooled men. The reason I love it is because of that word, ordinary. Because the Greek for the word ordinary is idiotes. So if you translate it directly, the Sanhedrin looked at them and went, these are just idiots that have been with Jesus. So their two distinguishing marks in front of the Sanhedrin were, number one, they were idiots, and number two, they'd been with Jesus. And I'm like, that's me. <laughs> if they are my only ever two defining marks in the rest, for the rest of my life, that, they are, that I'm an unschooled idiot that's been with Jesus... Amen. That'll do me. Idiots who have been with Jesus. Who's ever called you an idiot? Amen. Whose dad has ever called you an idiot? You probably were, but amen. Whose mum has ever called you an idiot? Amen. Whose teachers have ever called you an idiot? Amen. They had no idea that they were speaking prophetically from the word of God. My uncle Peter had a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And they had an extension put on their house. With sliding glass patio doors. You know where this is going, don't you? And he slid the patio door closed. And then he went, Tyson, come and eat dinner. Tyson came charging through the garden, smacked straight into the glass, knocked himself clean out. 
You, you know you want to laugh. You know you want to laugh. That's not the kind of idiot I'm talking about. The kind of idiot I'm talking about is the one that other people will write off. And yet you'll achieve it anyway. You're Bill Gates. You're kind of people that have made it in the business world. There's a guy who you probably even never even heard of. There's a guy called John Burton. Okay? He's kind of, he became a friend via a friend. This guy called John Burton, he, um, he's got a great family. He now lives out in Miami, but he lived in Northwich. And he was on the eldership of a church in Northwich. Now, John Burton um, didn't get much of a start in life. He didn't have the best family life. He, he was autistic. He struggled at school. He really struggled at school. John Burton decided to start his own company. This company developed a certain style of computer game that you may have heard of called the Lego computer games. The Lego computer games were bought out by Sony, who started making the Star Wars Lego computer games. Let's just say that John doesn't have to work anymore. John's quite comfortable. Every single one of his teachers would have written him off. Every one of them. He's a Christian. He uses his resources and his vast amounts of money to live out in Miami. Do you know what he wants to do with his money now? What he is doing with his money now? He's making Christian media, Christian films, films that get the gospel message out there. The foolish things to confound the wise. I want to give you a few things that people who give their lives to Jesus, people who are sold out for Jesus, people who want to serve Jesus, I want to give you a few characteristics that mark out their lives. Characteristic number one, they give their whole lives to him. Their whole lives to him. He says in Luke 5:18 through 10 When Simon Peter saw this he fell at Jesus knees and said Go away from me Lord I'm a sinful man Then Jesus said to Simon Don't be afraid From now on you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on the shore. This is the best bit. They left everything and they followed him. Peter realized that Jesus was a rabbi, the son of God, a religious man, a teacher. And Peter's response to Jesus was, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Peter said, Jesus said, no, 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 no. What I want you to do is I want you to leave everything. And that word everything, what that meant was, I want you to leave your career. I want you to leave your safety net. I want you to leave your livelihood. I want you to leave the thing that you use to feed your family. I want you to leave the family business that you've been building up for years and years and years. I want you to leave all of those things behind and I want you to follow me. And Peter left that boat by that shore and he followed Jesus. He left everything. And what do we do? We whinge because Jesus says, leave your iPad. Leave your dreams. 
leave your uni career. The list could go on and on and on and on and on. And I don't know what Jesus is telling you to leave. But I know from personal experience that he's telling you to leave. Because what Jesus is saying to you is it doesn't matter what you have in your life right now. Your grip on it should be so loose that when I say leave it, you just drop it. You just drop it like that. You know the story of the rich young man who came to Jesus? You've all heard that story, yes? Come on, speak to me. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. The quieter you stay, the longer I go on. You've all heard that story of the rich young man that came to Jesus, yes? Yes. Okay. So many preachers will pick up on the fact that this rich young man was rich. The fact that this rich young man was rich was not the issue. His wealth was not the issue. Because for this particular rich young man, it wasn't the fact that he had wealth. It was the fact that his wealth had him. He wasn't willing to let go. His wealth had a grip on him. And because it had a grip on him, Jesus said, leave it. Walk away from it. And then you can follow me. The second thing, the second thing a follower of Jesus Christ becomes is unstoppable. Unstoppable. There is nothing you will face. There is no challenge you will come up against. There is no wall that looks too big. There is no situation that appears too dangerous. There is nothing because you will become unstoppable. Acts 5, 38 through 39 says, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. This is the Sanhedrin again. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. This was one of the senior Sanhedrin, one of the most respected voices in the Jewish council turned round to the rest of them and said, why are you all so worried? Because if you lot are all so sure that what these men are doing and what these men are saying is just their words and their actions and their deeds, then it will fail. But if you're wrong and what these men are doing is from God, And what these men are saying is from God. And the signs, wonders and miracles that these men are performing is from God. You will find yourself fighting against God himself. When you go out there on the street, why are you fearful of people's reactions to you? Why? I'll tell you why. Because 99% of the time you believe the words coming out of your mouth are your words. You believe that 99% of the time the actions that you're taking are your actions. Imagine how you would feel if 99% of the time you believed the words that you were about to speak came from the Holy Spirit that were inspired by God himself. Who are these people that you're speaking to going to wrestle against? You or God? 99% of the time when you pray for that sick woman at the bus stop, when you stop believing that these are your words of prayer, And you start believing 
that the Holy Spirit has divinely told you to pray healing over that woman, that sickness will obey the Word of God. It's that simple. But for so long, the church has had it so back to front. We've got our tied, ourselves tied up in so many knots. We're scared of our own flipping shadows. We are. It's just the truth. And the time has come for us to start living in such a way that just like Peter and John on their way, mooching along to a prayer meeting, minding their own business. All right, mate, how are you doing? I don't know if you had Scouse accents, but there you go. And they're going along. And they see a crippled man outside the temple. Do you think that Peter turned to John and said, you know, watch this. I'm going to pray for this man because I've seen Jesus do it. And I read it in the Bible. And I'm going to pray for this man. And this man's going to get better. You watch. No. Because there was no dialogue between the two of them. He simply turned to the crippled man and, and said, I'm sorry, mate, I, I've got no money. But do you know what the Holy Spirit is telling me to say to you? Get up and walk. Get up and walk. And he did. He did. So here's the thing you're going to do when you walk out of here now. I'm going to give you a strategy. Okay? Everyone loves a strategy. Every man loves a list. I'm going to give you a strategy. How does God want to use you to partner with other believers to see the world out there know the love of God? Number one, through Christ. He says in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you like how the Bible covered you right now? Because it said for all generations, forever and ever, amen. Full stop, job done, finished, get out there, get busy. Have a shower first. You don't want to put people off for the wrong reasons. He wants to do it through Christ. The second thing is he wants to do it through each other. He wants to do it through each other. He says in Acts 2, 44, 47, he says this. All the believers, all, all, not denominations, not Anglicans and Methodists and Pentecostals and New Frontiers and whoever else you want to put above your stupid doors of your stupid buildings. And I have no idea. I love New Frontiers. But I can't figure out for the life of me why you're not just called King's Tears. Because every other church seems to be called King something. It says, <laughs> it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. It doesn't say they sold their stuff and they gave it to the poor unbelievers out on the street. It says they sold their stuff and they, first of all, they made sure there was no need among them. Stick your hand up right now if you have a financial need among you. Be honest. Are you in debt? Have you told anyone in your church? 
Why have you not told anyone in your church? Because the word of God says there was no need among them. They lost no sleep because they took care of each other. They loved each other passionately. If my little boy's in debt and I have the ability to get him out of it, I'm going to do it. They loved each other. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. I'll replace that word with cow sheds. <laughs> they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. When was the last time you broke bread together and had communion with your brothers and sisters in your own home? Raise your hands. When was the last time? Have you done it in the last week? No? We do it every week. Our life group, my house, Tuesday night, forget church on Sunday, we break bread, we have communion, and we join together in prayer, celebrating the body and the blood of Christ every single week. Why? Because the Bible says so. It's not difficult, is it? No, let's do it once a month in the church rota, and we'll get everybody up the church, and we'll all do it a slightly different way, and we'll be a bit trendy, and we'll have a big bowl of Kiora, and, and what we'll do is we'll dip the bread in the Kiora, and then we'll have it, and we'll go sit down again. That's not what it says at all. In fact, it says if you get this wrong, people have died from getting it wrong. People have got sick from getting it wrong. This whole communion thing is important, and I don't have time to get into this. This is a whole other seminar for a whole, do, do it next year. Do the importance of communion next year. So the next time when you go out onto mission next year, when you next time you go out to evangelism next year, every single time before you go out, you get together and you repent before God, you take communion together, then hit the streets. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And I love this bit. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Because the world out there had a look inside the cow shed and went, they don't have any need among themselves. They're not going hungry. They're happy. They're joyful. They're celebrating. They're going to heaven. If we stay out there, we're going hell. I want in. And so the Lord added to their number daily out of sheer nosiness. Don't underestimate the nosiness factor. Especially in this day and generation of social media. You stick it up there and they will, you Facebook it, they will come. You tweet it and they will come. Never mind you build it and they will come. You tweet it and they will come. You see God, that piece of scripture there is a revelation that the whole church should be built around. Because God wants us united. United. I wrote my own version. This is my version of that same piece of scripture. Now, bear in mind that piece of scripture I just read to you. And I'm going to read you my version of that scripture. And I want you to honestly tell me which version of the scripture you think actually represents the church in the UK. Okay, this is my version of that scripture in Acts. Here we go. All the believers were divided. They didn't have much of anything in common. 
hoarding their possessions and goods, they kept as much as they could for themselves. Every now and then, if the football wasn't on and they weren't too tired, they would come to church for an hour and leave early to beat the traffic. They loved Jesus when it was convenient for them, yet they were despised by people for their hypocrisy and very few people got saved. Now, does my version sound more accurate or the biblical version? Because sadly, my version sounds more accurate when you look at the church in the UK today. And that, I don't know about you, but that causes me to lose sleep. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. I don't know about you, but I'll be honest with you, that causes arguments in my home. I'm being honest with you. Because my heart is so heavenly burdened, I find it so hard to leave that at the door. I don't want to take that into my kids and into my wife. I don't want to take it into the home. But I can't shake it. When I preached on Monday night, about the Holy Spirit falling in that main tent, I had such an overwhelming, heavy, hurtful burden of unrepentant sin in that room that I spent 30 minutes on my face on the floor behind that stage crying. Man, the church needs the Holy Spirit. The church needs repentance. The church needs power. The church needs anointing. The church needs honesty. The church needs integrity. The church needs accountability. The church needs men who will stand up and say, do you know what? I'm not going to masturbate in secret anymore. I'm not going to look at pornography anymore. It needs a group of women that are going to stand up and say, do you know what? I'm going to keep my knickers on until I'm married. Sorry for being so graphic, but that's just the way it is today. Back in my day, if you wanted to pull a woman, it took some effort. These days, all you need is Facebook and a fiver. And you're done. You're lucky. It might not even take a fiver. The early church were known as people of the way. Because the way they lived was so different to the way everyone else lived. That it made them stick out like a sore thumb. Am I doing for time? Ten minutes? Cool. This is what we're going to finish with then. We're going to make an agreement. All of us in this room today. This is what we are going to do. This is the plan. This is the... Do you know how hard it is to try and open a ball and hold a microphone at the same time? This is what we're going to do. Number one. We, and you're going to say this after I've said it. We are going to do anything short of sin to reach people who do not follow Christ. Did you get that? Repeat after me. We are going to do Let's slow down, slow down, slow down. Do it one bit at a time. It's you university students, you're used to the... Okay, one, one, one bit at a time. We are going to do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's number one. Do you declare it?
Yes, 1 Corinthians. I'm going to back it. I'm not just saying this. I'm backing this up with the word of God. So this is not me saying it. This is Jesus saying it. You've got issues. Take it up with him. 1 Corinthians 9.19. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. The second thing we're going to do is this. We are going to declare to accomplish more with less. Say it with me now. I will accomplish more with less. Matthew 5, 25, 23 says, You have been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. This week, you've been faithful with a few things. With a few people with a few promises with a little snippet anointing of the Holy Spirit and now Jesus is promising you that he is going to put you in charge of many things the third thing we are going to accomplish more together than we are alone say it with me now we are going to accomplish more together Than we are alone. Acts 4, 4, 34 through 35, it said, There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet. That's Stephen giving me cash. At the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Let me tell you now, there is enough money in the church, in the UK, to see this nation changed. The problem isn't a lack of cash, a lack of resources, it's a lack of generosity, and it's a horrible infestation of greed. That's the issue. We have enough. We have more than enough. I'm not saying this is a bragging thing. Me and my wife, we use something called the cap money system. Has anybody come across it? Christians Against Poverty. We use that. That is our monthly budgeting system that we use. Every single month, we try to outgive what we gave the month before and we manage to do it. We don't know how we manage to do it. We don't know how the bills manage to get paid. But they do. I want to challenge you. Stick your hand up if you tithe. You get 10%. That's a small amount of people. Small amount of people. Well, let me shock you with this then. There is no New Testament mandate for tithing. It doesn't exist. If your church teaches tithing, give 10% of your income, you can go back to your pastor and you can say... There is no New Testament mandate for the tithe. There's nothing in the New Testament that says, I have to give my church 10%. Because what Jesus actually said is, I have to give you everything. Everything. I have to sell my Xbox. I have to sell my mountain bike. I have to sell anything. Who has an Xbox? Put your hand up. Why? Grow up. Sell it. (laughs) Stick your hand up if you have a PlayStation. Put your hand up if you have a PlayStation and you're married. (laughs) What are you doing, man? Put away childish things. Grow up. If I have spare time, it's spent sleeping or reading. That's it. The time has come to put away childish things. To be serious. To be serious. Those that are in the Q&A, I I was here on Monday night speaking, yeah? Do you all know that I went to New Wine to speak on Tuesday night? Did anybody know this? 
Did you all know that I nearly crashed the car? I'm not joking. I was about an hour away from the accommodation, the hotel that they put me up in. And I had this horrible double vision dizziness. And I thought I was going to smash up the car. I was doing 60 mile an hour down a country road. And I just slammed on. The, the front wheel hit the curb hard. And I just slammed on and stopped. And I got out of the car and I blew chunks like something from The Exorcist. It was horrible. I don't know why. And I looked at the wing of the car and it was literally millimeters from this big old stone brick wall. Do you know what I was thinking of at the moment that that happened? I was listening to the new Matt Redman album. And I was thinking to myself, this is not that good. I'm sure it will grow on me. I love, my, I love every Matt Redman album. But at that moment, that was the thought going through my mind. I have been a Christian for nearly 18 years. I've been out of prison for 15 years. I've had guns pointed to my head. I've been stabbed multiple times. I've been overdosed. I've been shot at. You name it, I've had it. But for the first time in all of those years, I was scared. And do you know the reason I was scared? Because I thought to myself, if that was the moment... I was about to stand in front of the living Christ and he said to me, what was the last thought going through your mind when you crashed that car? I would have had to say, Matt Redman. <laughs> and yet I'm still here. I'm still breathing. And there's still a reason for it. And part of that reason is you needed to hear this message. Because you needed to get serious about living for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ to me is more important than the air that I am breathing. I am not joking. I do this with groups all the time. Do this with me. On the count of three, I want you to take a big breath in and a big breath out. Are you ready? Breathe in and breathe out. God just allowed you to do that. God allowed you to do that. The next beat that your heart is about to take is about to take because he is allowing it to happen. You can literally drop dead now. Jesus could come back now. You see, we can accomplish far more together than we can apart. When we start to think, and the only way we can start to think that way, the Bible says, is when we start to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, that means our minds are, are on holy things. Our minds are on heavenly things. Our minds are on kingdom things. Our minds aren't thinking, ooh, I've got a spare hour, I'll play cod. No, our minds are thinking, ooh, I've got a spare hour, I'm going to spend it with Jesus. I'm going to spend it in prayer. I'm going to spend it worshipping. I'm going to spend it figuring out what God wants for my life. And that might sound harsh to some of you people out there thinking, boy, I enjoy playing cod. Well, you enjoy it, and I hope you're playing cod when Jesus comes back. But what I'm saying to you is this. It's time to get serious. This is my last point. We are not a mega church. None of us belong. To, I've, I've, I've preached at mega churches. Churches of thousands. We are not a mega church. But we can have a mega impact. A mega impact. And you don't have to be a mega church 
to have a mega impact. And I'm convinced more than ever that you can have more of a mega impact if you're not a mega church than if you are. Because if you can build a church of two or three hundred people, you can have a massive impact in your town because you can plant another one and then another one and then another one and then another one and then another one. And before you know it, you've got 500 churches in your town. Mark 16, 15 said, he said, then to Jesus, then he said, go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved. Whoever refuses to believe is damned. The truth is, we're not going to save everyone. Jesus himself said it. There are those, if you were in my seminar on hell, you will understand this. There are those who are destined to go there. But there are those who are destined for heaven. Our job, through the discernment of the Holy Spirit, is to sift them out and disciple them. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Get out there. Get busy. Thank you, Steve. Can we stand together? Let's stand together. We're going to respond before God. Close your eyes, engage with him. Recognize that the Holy Spirit's here. What Daryl's just shared with us is provocative, helpful, challenging, and demands a response. So let's just wait on him for a moment. I once heard the story of a a man called William Booth. William Booth came from a very poor background. In a place called Nottingham. From a very broken home. And yet in his lifetime, travelled tens of thousands of miles preaching to tens of thousands of people, set up hundreds of churches, hundreds of orphanages, helped the lost, helped the broken, helped the needy in many, many countries and lived a remarkable life. And toward the end of his life, he stood in front of the queen. And the queen said, William, how have you been able to achieve all of the things that you've done in such a short lifetime. His response was that he drew a line on the ground. He walked up to the line, stepped over it, and he said, Madam, the reason that I've been able to do this is because William Booth decided that God was going to have all of me. Today, as Daryl shared, This is an all of me message and an all of me opportunity. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a moment just before God. It's you and him. He knows you. He loves you. He's passionate about you. But he wants all of you. Every decision, every lifestyle, every opportunity, every prayer, every moment, he wants all of you. And he's calling people right now to respond to him. And say, God, I'm going to give you all of me. So I want you to take a moment in your heart to engage with him. And then we're going to pray. And you say to him right now, respond to him. Jesus, I'm all in. I'm stepping over that line. I'm giving you my heart afresh because you deserve it. You gave everything for me. And right now, I'm going to live all out for you. And if you need to, you take a step forward. But you wait until you're ready. Take that step knowing, God, I'm all in for you. Make it a prophetic action. To say, I am all in. I'm giving you everything. So right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for the commissioning. I thank you for the calling, and I thank you, Lord, for every single one of these individuals standing before me. God, thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be all in.
Lord, thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice, for the service, for the passion, for the desire, for the specific, Lord, calling you've got for every single one of us. God, and I want to pray right now for influence. I want to pray right now, Lord God, that there would be mighty breakthrough because of your calling uniquely on these lives. Lord, and that there would be not just tens, but there will be hundreds and there will be thousands of people impacted through the lives and the commitments and the decisions made today. As we say, God, we are all in. Lord, we're looking and we're responding to you. You are good to us. And Lord, we will follow you with all of our lives. We bless you. We glorify you. We say, God, have your way in us, we ask. In the name of Jesus. I just want to finish with a simple scripture. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. When we know his love, when we know what he has done for us, it moves us. And I just want to pray for all of you. Today, guys, we're, you've got the afternoon off. <laughs> but I want to pray that you would know more and more of the love of Jesus that he might compel you <laughs> as he fills you, as you enjoy the evening meeting, as you maybe go to seminars or hang out with friends this afternoon, I want to pray that you know more and more and more of the height and the depth of the love of Jesus. Father, we just want to commit this day into your hands. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have loved us. And we pray that you would fill each one of us this afternoon this evening, as we sleep, as we rest, with your love, that we might be compelled and propelled into all that you have for us tomorrow. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.